Hi, I'm Matt. I'm one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please do head over to our website, www.kennedystreetcio.org, for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause. It's Wednesday, it's 12 o'clock, and it's like a little regular slot now that we've got on a Wednesday afternoon, 12 till 1. Um, yeah, I'm the CEO and founder of Kennedy Street, which is a recovery, um, it's a peer-led recovery charity actually, based in Brighton. Um, and at the moment, what we're operating is a national recovery helpline, and that's thanks to COVID, really, um, because um, there's so many people all over the country really looking for support and not really knowing where to, to turn. So that's how these talks came about, um, because Kevin and I are passionate about um, making recovery visible in the community, and we get calls from all over, literally all over the world, not just all over the country, but all over. The, I had somebody from Peru ring the other day. Um, and you know what? Within half an hour, I was able to connect into somebody in recovery in Peru. I mean, how lucky are we? Unbelievable. And we do have an abundance of resources in our communities. And not a lot of people know about these um, these amazing assets because a lot of them are, are anonymous. So the nature of the anonymous groups is that they're anonymous. So you don't know that they're there. And what we, we're passionate about is just getting the message out there. So you, who might be affected personally, might be a family or a friend or a, a, a mate from work um, or your brother or your sister or your kids, you know, young people are affected by addiction too. So you know what's available and where you can start this journey. So I could rattle on all for the full hour, but I won't because Kev's giving me the look. So I'm going to hand over to Kev and then he's going to introduce you to our fabulous guest speaker today. Hello, 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 everybody. Uh, my name is Kevin Kennedy and I am the uh, patron of Kennedy Street. Now, um, my job uh, on this particular, well, on all these shows is really is to be the layman, is to ask the questions that you're sat at home, uh, hopefully going, well, hang on, what about this and what about that and, and what about the other? So that's what I do. I'm here for you to kind of think what you would ask. Um, and I've often said there are many, many routes uh, across the swamp to, um, to, to recovery. Um, loads of people do all kinds of things that help in, re in recovery. Uh, and I'm a, a great fan of the different ways. Uh, and one of those ways is, well, I'm not going to say too much about it because our <laughs> guest today is Mr. Harvey Webb, who has his own um, ideas and techniques to, uh, to fulfill his recovery. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Harvey Webb. Hello, everyone. Hi. So, hi. Shall I say a little bit about myself and my history? Yeah, yeah if you don't mind, Harvey, you, you introduce us to you um, and tell us 
you know, how, how, how and why you got into the world of recovery? Right, okay, I was talking to Kev earlier. I worked in technical theatre from like 16 all the way up to up in, in my early 40s. And um, it was a very alcohol and drug fueled industry. Uh, and I ended up having a, an addiction to alcohol and cocaine for many years. Many years not actually accepting the fact that it was problematic until it started to really affect my career. And then I went into rehab actually 16 years and one month to the day. I always remember because October the 11th is my sister's birthday. Well done, Harvey. Yeah, so that's and I, I, I never look back really. And then when I came out of rehab, I got really depressed actually because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. You know, I couldn't go back to theatre because I knew you know, it was a very high risk, you know, environment for me. And I then probably end up relapsing. And I've been told that if I relapsed, I, because of the state of my liver, I would have probably killed myself. And I got really, really depressed. And uh, that's the only time I've ever taken antidepressants because I learned to ask for help. Uh, that's a good skill to have. Uh, and I was, it was about 10 months after I came out of rehab and somebody said to me you know what you'd make a really good drug and alcohol worker and I thought nah I don't want to do that <laughs> I've had drugs and alcohol around me all my life I'm better now I don't want to do that and then they said no no you should you should and then they gave me the number of a charity called Ad Action who at that time had their headquarters in Farringdon and they were running a program for people coming out of rehab called Next and it was a one day a week um, program where you had a little flavor of what drug and alcohol work, working in substance misuse services would be like. And I started doing it and I thought, you know what? I'm enjoying this. I can do this. This is something I can do. So then I went on and got retrained with Ad Action and Rugby House, two charities in the substance misuse field and took 18 months and did, got myself qualified an MVQ level three in substance misuse. And then my first, I remember my first job they put me in was, I don't know if you know, Dean Street in Westminster in Soho. There's a quite a famous hostel there called Dean Street Hostel. And uh, back in those days, they had um, SMUs, they were called substance misuse units. So that was my work placement in the substance misuse unit in Dean Street Hostel in Soho. So that was my introduction to uh, substance misuse work. And then I got a job in uh, a new crack cocaine project that opened up in Tottenham with um, Blenheim CDP, as they were then they were called. And then I ran a, after that, I ran a, helped to run a, a, a day programme down in Camberwell for Class A drug users. It wasn't abstinence-based. It was people come in and have a little look at their drug use. And then after that, I got a job with Thamesreach. I started working with the homeless community in Lambeth. I was on the street outreach team in Lambeth. Uh, and that, still living in London, that's when I moved to Brighton. That was always my big dream, living Brighton from London, because I lived in Southwest London uh, for many, many, many years. And I got a job, after applying for loads of jobs, I got a job with the Rough Sleepers team down here in Brighton. So I worked on the Rough Sleepers team 
for a while and then I got a job with Equinox I've been about uh, running a five bed a five bed um, hostel if you like for men with a history of homelessness and alcohol misuse they used to call them wet houses but I don't like that terminology so I get them to a place where they can manage their own um, tenancies and help them move on that way get them rehoused and then that got cut and then I got a job with pavilions, as was then. The sub I went back to substance misuse and worked at pavilions as a care coordinator. And then I took over being uh, peer mentor. I was the peer mentor trainer. So what I do now, my current job is is brick uh, coordinator, building recovery, the community coordinator for the new service here in Brighton and Hope, Brighton and Hope Recovery Service. So I look after all the, I'm training up at the moment, middle of training up all the new peer mentors who can go out in the community and support other people with their recovery, you know, because they've got lived experience and they can, I know recovery's catching because that's how I caught it. When a friend of mine went into recovery, oh, if he can do it, so can I. Uh, and they're out there giving hope to people and support to people to say, you know, recovery is achievable and it is actually possible. Uh, and that's what I'm doing at the moment. Well, I'm after work remotely. I'm on my boat here in Brighton Marina, so I'm working remotely from my boat. So basically, that's my 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 story. Yeah, and here I am. And then I suppose I I, I suppose I'm, I got converted to Buddhism. I was I was always fascinated by Buddhism as a as a a philosophy really, and um, I got. I started to take it very seriously and I and I studied a Japanese it's a Japanese traditional Japanese school called Nishin Soshu. And I used that because I always had trouble with the 12 step um reliance on God. And I and I and I was kind of I was a punk generation and we were all nihilists and atheists and all this sort of stuff growing up. And so I had really problems with that. But what I liked about Buddhism was that that wasn't mentioned at all. It was all about, it was human focus. It was focused on the human being. So I use that as my higher power, if you like, or my, you know, my, my foundation of my recovery. Uh, and it, it's worked for me, you know, and I thought, well, if it worked for me, then obviously I'm not very, I'm not, so I'm just a bloke, you know, I'm just a human being. So I put together... I had a dream of a rehab, a Buddhist rehab, but you know, I mean, that's still a dream. But I put together a little, a, a little program of recovery uh, based on cognitive behavioral therapy, the behavioral model, and um, and then introduction to this particular school of Buddhism, this Japanese school, and called it Sun Lotus because Sun Lotus is the name of the founder, if you like. In Japanese Buddhist history, there's a great sage called Nichiren Daishonin, which literally translates as the great sage, Sun Lotus, because the, the teaching is based on the Lotus Sutra, which is a very famous Buddhist Mahayana Sutra. And I started running it. I thought, oh, well, I'm going to put it on. And then the wonderful, I'm a big fan, and it's the only charity, one of the charities I donate to, Big up Cascade Creative Recovery here in Brighton. Uh, the wonderful Cascade Creative Recovery. They opened a coffee shop just around this time where I was thinking about it. And I went to Pete and said, look, man, I've got this recovery program. and I'd really like to try it out. And he said, oh, that's great, because we're looking for, you know, a, you know, different things to help different people. So I started running it as a group and I've been running it. I ran it for five years upstairs at Cascade Creative Recovery. 
And then when lockdown happened, I thought, oh, what are we going to do? And then everybody's Zooming. So I, 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 put, I put everything uh, online and I do two Zoom meetings a week. One on Wednesday, which is the structured work. And then on Friday is just a Buddhist recovery check-in and chat, really. So it's very informal. And um, put all the material together in my book. And um, Sun Lotus Recovery Online was born, which is great because it's far more open now, not just for people in Brighton and Hove. Is, it, is this based at people at the beginning of their journey or in the middle of the journey or it's is for anybody this really for, uh, anybody really um wherever they're at on their journey of recovery whether they're still actively engaged obviously if you're going to come along don't come along to substance affected mm. but we've had people in all you know and then other people who are looking for something they're disillusioned with the 12 step method and they're looking for something different but they're still they're in recovery now uh, and I always thought I was going to put the Buddhist bit of it at the back, you know, I didn't, at the back of the mix, you know, because I was selling it as a therapeutic program. And then what I found was that people were interested in the Buddhist aspect. You know, they were quite interested because of the, the Buddhist aspect. So, you know, it's it, I, I brought it up in the mix, if you like. So it's then the evening sessions are based, you know, the first bit, we do meditation, a chanting meditation. And then <clears throat> we do a, one of the sessions from the program. I'll talk a little bit about that later, if you like, yeah. as well. So, and then, and then we study some Buddhist Dharma or some Buddhist teachings as well after the therapeutic session. So, I'm being devil's advocate here, mate. So, yeah. bear with me. So, right, I am. I am a helpless drunk and um, drug user. Right, my life's mm -hmm. turned to crap. So. You recommend deep breathing and jostics, or I mean, is that going to help? You know what I mean? I mean, it doesn't sound as if it's going to stop me drinking and, and using, does it? No, I mean, Sun Lotus is based on the behavioral model of addiction, uh, not the disease model. So, what I designed was a, a therapeutic program based around um, cognitive behavioral therapy principles that was standalone. Yeah. So, what I did was I created a program that I never had. Yeah, right. nothing to do with Buddhism, just a program that I never had that covers all the things that they didn't teach me in rehab, which is the neuroscience of addiction. Why am I like I am? Why is my brain not like everybody else's brain? So I've added neuroscience into the program. And then I've also added, when I left rehab, I went straight back to my codependent relationship for the next four years. <clears throat> And I had to leave, and that was more difficult giving up that relationship than actually giving up the drink and the drugs. Mm. But it was a toxic relationship that had to come to be some closure. So I've put a lot of um, uh, relationships and emotion. So what I've done really is I've put this three phases. It's a 12-week program. The first four weeks are about the physical aspects of addiction, neuroscience, neuroplasticity, how the brain works, neurotransmitters, what is addiction? And then we look at the mental aspects. So the thinking, your thinking, and how to change your thinking and the best ways to do that. And managing your cravings, cravings management and relapse prevention. And then the final part, the last four weeks of the program is all about emotions because they're massive internal triggers. So we look at anger, we break down anger, because that's um, when I work with people, people relapse around anger and boredom. Mm. I was bored. So we look at boredom, we look at anger, and then we start to look at relationships. So we look at codependency, 
love addiction. And then I use what's called transactional analysis or the drama triangle to give people an insight into what's going on for them. Because nobody ever taught me that in, in rehab. That's something that I had to learn myself in my own recovery. So I call it the A to Z of addiction, yeah, because it covers the physical, the mental, and the emotional aspects of addiction and how to manage it. So it sounds, like, okay. it sounds like it's the perfect thing to run along a, another form of a recovery, a, another recovery process. It sounds like it's an add-on, isn't it, really? Uh, it, I, it can be. Yeah. Can yeah. Be, you can use it. People do use it. I would say because it's CBT, obviously you can go along to, it's the same model as smart recovery mm -hmm. and uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, smart and act, which are very kind of fashionable now in the recovery um, scene. So and that's what, just the therapeutic aspect of it. So so what have your, um, tell me your success stories. What, what, what do your, your customers, what have they, what have they said that's really, really impressed you about what you're doing? I think, well, I've helped, I've helped people who come in still actively engaged in drinking or their drug of choice. And what they're finding via, I always find with people, this is why they got attracted to the Buddhist aspect of it, because Buddhism gives your life meaning. And what they were looking for was a meaning to their life once they stopped taking drugs and alcohol, you know. And, and so once you give somebody a meaning and a purpose, that really helps with their well-being. And um, they found that this meaning and purpose that, that, and, and, and also the self-awareness that they've gained through the program has really helped them in their recovery. I've had people who come in and they relapse, but their relapses got further and further, you know, away from each other. You know, we, they started to relapse less and less. And then, um, and then, and now they're in active recovery and they're and like one of my, one of my uh, participants is now, he's moved to Portugal uh, as a proofreader. So he's now living happily ever after in Portugal. Mm. And he's still practicing the, 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 the Buddhist teachings and uh, meditation techniques that I taught him here in Brighton. Right. Another lady, another lady who's doing very well now. She's, she was, she's now living over in Shoreham uh, quite happily. And yeah, does it, would it complement? I mean, so, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, on my journey um, of recovery, I loved um, everything about Buddhism. I thought it was really a gentle way of um, connecting and mm. it suited my journey. My journey was a 12-step journey. So it suited me at the beginning of my process. I mean, you know, I, I'm not a Buddhist today. I'm a practicing Christian today. Mm. But Buddhism and exploration and all of the the tools that that like meditation and things like that, they were really helpful, really, really mm. helpful. And I found it um, really complemented my recovery. So mm. uh, whilst you say it's a standalone process, would it complement? utilizing it so like kev said side by side with most definitely because program. you know that therapeutic recovery is all about cognition and awareness yeah and developing your self-awareness and i always say recovery really is rebuilding your relationship to self you know finding out who you are and, and rebuilding that relationship uh, and of course what buddhism is buddhism's just more awareness 
you know, Buddhism says that we have the potential to become totally enlightened. So it, the self-awareness that you, you've got through the behavioral therapies is sort of supercharged, if you like, alongside Buddhist practice, because Buddhist practice gives you enlightenment into who you are and what's your place in the universe and your purpose. So they kind of complement each other. That's why I've used the cognitive behavioral um, model, if you like, because it does. In Buddhism, we call karma. We have karma, and karma is created by your thinking, by your speech, and by your actions. And this resonates with cognitive behavioral therapy because what it's saying to you is that you've got to change your thinking, or your stinking thinking, as they call it in the twelve step in the fellowships. And then through that, your behavior changes. So it resonates very deeply with Buddhist philosophy and Buddhist dharma. Yeah. So yeah, one complements the other. Can also be used for 12-step therapy. I've got no problem with that. You know, that uh, you can use it as your higher power. Yeah. So what I'm thinking, I mean, we do get a re real mishmash of people watching this show. And some people have got no clue whatsoever about recovery, but they're interested. Some people mm -hmm. are in 12-step recovery. Some people are in smart recovery. There's lots of different types of recovery. So if they were um, in those fellowships and already engaging in a, a, a journey, because it is a journey, isn't it? Like you say, mm -hmm. It's not a it's not a destination. It's a, it, it, it's the process of getting there, and this mm -hmm. sounds like a, a really valuable tool that people could experience. So, how would they, if they wanted to come on the course? I put it across the I put it across the ticket, but I'd like you to to tell people how they could engage in this. And does it cost money as well? No, that's what I was just about to ask. How much does it cost? It costs you nothing. Oh, it costs you nine ninety nine for the handbook. Oh, <laughs> or five ninety nine if you want to get a Kindle. Because <laughs> okay. we what is in our groups, we always refer. I thought everybody's got everybody's got a handbook. Smart got a handbook. AA got a blue book. CA got a handbook. And so I thought, well, I better and Dharma Recovery Recovery got their handbook. And so I thought, well, I better write my handbook. So here, and then we work from this in the sessions. The sessions can be found. The links to the Zoom. It's open to everyone, can be found on Sun Lotus Recovery Facebook page. And I post the links every Wednesday and every Friday. Amazing. And everybody's welcome. So they would have to go onto your Facebook page, which we're putting across the screen at the moment. I will also put in the chat as well so people can link, click on the link and come straight to your. So they would go to your Facebook page and they would like your Facebook page. I'm, I'm being really specific because sometimes people ring me up and they go, so how do I, how do I get that link? It's like, well, you just click on it. <laughs> yeah. like, obviously, if you could like my page, I've got about 500 likes at the moment uh, and followers. So it's growing. Um, yeah, and on and then on the, the post, I post the links to the meetings every Wednesday and every Friday. And all you got to do is just click on the link. And if you've got, it doesn't really matter if you've got Zoom or not, because it'll find it and it'll take you there. And I've taken all the passwords off, so you don't have to put in a password or anything. You just get come straight into the waiting room, and I'll let you in. So, amazing meditation, I presume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We start. I mean. So when you're doing this Zoom meeting, again, uh, I'm being devil's advocate, is there like lots of people on the screen but nobody saying anything? They're just all breathing. No. <laughs> because there's, this is a big debate in med meditation. There's many forms of meditation practices. And there's always a debate between reflective meditation, as in mindfulness, which I'm sure people might be aware of because it's big in the West, 
it's like a Zen Buddhist practice that the West has captured that little bit of Zen practice. And, uh, and then there's also active chanting, dynamic meditation. So you're chanting a mantra. And literally in Soshu, we have a Buddhist chant that we chant. Nam yo ho renge kyo. It's quite a well-known chant. Um, to different Buddhist schools, when I first got into it, I was chanting all sorts of things because I got into Tibetan Buddhism. So I was chanting Om Nami Pemi Hung. Uh, and then for one bit, I was chanting Hare Krishna. I was just trying to do, because I've always been kind of interested in Eastern philosophy anyway, on my journey. So we all chant together for 15 minutes at each, before each meeting. Either you can just sit there and listen or join in uh, if you care to, because it's a daily practice that helps to ground you. Somebody described my sessions as mindfulness on steroids, which I always loved. <laughs> so I spend lotus. It's like mindfulness on steroids. Yeah, I'm going to use that. People <laughs> like it. It's, I mean, chanting. Um, it is a very mindful act in itself, isn't it? You can't be anywhere else when you're chanting. No. You you're literally in the moment. It's like mm. prayer, isn't it? If you pray, it can, it, be. It can you're be in like the that. You can use it in many ways. Yeah. I mean, what I like about it is that you're using more of the brain. So you know you're using the speech and you're using you're using the uh, your hearing, mm. and you're also if you want to take it up properly, we have a mandala, an object of worship that we chant to. So you're using all the senses, uh, and I because I never really got on with reflective Buddhism. I was doing you know the meditations, mindfulness, because I just found it very difficult because my attention span's not great and. And I find it really helps people with ADHD is probably better for them because, you know, it, you can always, it's a, it's more of a physical, it's a physical aspect to it. Absolutely. So, what happens after the 15 minutes of chance? I mean, I'm really glad that you said you can just listen because I've just envisaged some poor soul in a bed yeah. sit with the neighbours banging on the wall thinking what's going yeah. on. So that's no. kind of going mad. But oh, uh, no. okay. So after the 15 minutes of chanting or listening, Right. Yeah. Um, so what happens then? Right. So then on the Wednesday, um, it's the structured work. So then we're running a program. There's 12 sessions in the book. So then like tonight we're doing session 11, which is codependency, love addiction, the narcissist and the empath, and then practice oneself and others. So then we'll read through the, you know, the handbook and discuss. And then some, if it resonates with you, which it usually does, because I find that people with this addiction disorder, we've all got so much in common. Uh, and it's such a shared experience. And then we discuss what that actually, how, do you, how does that relate to your recovery and have you had that experience? And I think especially people really do like the work around codependency because you know relationships are so important in recovery because when they go wrong it can be um a really big trigger and so we discuss that and then we'll have a little break and then we then we discuss the buddhist aspect of the evening which, uh, which tonight will be practice for oneself and then practice for others because we're all one so we're, you're not just practicing for yourself you're practicing for the for the whole planet really and what about security? I mean, is there a, a, a kind of no names, no pactrill sort of thing where you don't discuss what's going on outside your your meeting? I mean, do you, I mean, because someone might share something that's quite sensitive. 
yeah, obviously it's the same sort of rules as an as an AA. It's a closed group, and everything that's said in the room stays in the room. Yeah. And it's up to people if they want to put their names up like this, they can do it. But if they don't, they don't have to. If they don't want to share their video, they don't have to share their video. They can just come in and have a listen. You know, we've had people do that. They've just come in. They've just sat there. Yeah, you know? I think it's great. I think it's a great. You know, it. I've never had a greater success rate than than during the pandemic, to be honest. There's been a greater need, and that hence the reason for this national recovery helpline that's that's emerged. Um, but I've never had a greater impact in integrating people into recovery systems because everything's gone online. It's amazing. It's yeah. like you know, people in Scotland couldn't have come on your course in the past because you you were operating out of Pete's Cascade Cafe, whereas now yeah. anybody can come. It's brilliant. Yeah, we've, had, we've had people from Stockholm and I had somebody from uh, Oregon Amazing. come along. Yeah, so I'm really happy about that because it's gone kind of global. If you want, in theory, obviously yeah. we're very small and not nobody knows about us. And I know we're not for everyone. Really, it's a spiritual, it's a, if you're into spiritual recovery, but you have problems, because a lot of people have problems with um, the 12-step model. And um, so it's just an alternative. You know, I always say to people, I don't mind what gym for the brain you go to, just make sure you go yeah. to the gym because you're reprogramming. Yeah, that's the way we, we've always had that philosophy. Me and Kev have always said, you know what, in the 22 years that we've been sober, we've met so many people we've been blessed we've been all over the world we've met amazing people doing some amazing things this is why we love you coming on the show because you know you're one of those amazing people who's do making a difference who's just getting out there and doing it and saying you know what try this have this in your tool bag and yeah. so many great um tools out there but people just don't know about them so it's not exactly it is and we're definitely marmite <laughs> it's definitely a bit Other people come. Some people come along. And go. What's this all about? And because yeah. I think for Westerners, especially chanting meditation, is very alien. There isn't that um, spiritual practice that they have in their daily lives. In that sense, I suppose maybe Catholicism when you chant the Rosary, maybe. But they're, they're, you know, it's very alien to them in the secular world that we live in. You know, so they, you know, it's a bit. So there's a culture shock there. But then a lot of people just pick it up. I like some people are just like ducks to water. They're just like it's amazing when you see it. And I know we're not for everyone, so you know. I really, I yeah, like I that. mean, there is some resistance in the comments, and uh, I, I just have to say on behalf of Kennedy Street, we we just want to showcase all the different ways that people can get into recovery. There's no judgment here because uh, what works for one might not work for the other. Um, you know, people use all kinds of different things to get into recovery, whether it be painting, whether it be PlayStation, whether it be music, whether it be writing, uh -huh. poetry, art, gardening. It, it, for me, and I think I can say on behalf of Kennedy Street, we'll, we'll, we'll showcase it, everything, because if one person out there suddenly goes, oh, hang on, Buddhism, that sounds interesting. I think I'll have a go at that and that leads them to recovery, then we are passing the message on. So I, although I understand the comments and, I, you know, that's fair enough, you have your opinion, but here at Kennedy Street, we do try to, to showcase as many different ways so we can reach as many different people as we possibly can. 
And they, each person, the way I look at us, I know I'm very unique. I know that now. You're unique. Kev's unique. We've all got... We've all got a journey to go on, haven't we? And our job, like you say, it's like go to the gym. It, as long as you go to the gym and finding what works for you, what exercise works for you, what what tools work for you, you know, we're not biased at all. We're just open to um, inviting everybody and anybody who's doing good stuff, who's changing people's lives. Because have at the end of the day, you know, like Kev said, if one person, I'm sure many people are affected. Um, you know, if one person gets into recovery and is set free from this absolutely crippling condition, jobs are good, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. It's, a good one. it's amazing what you're doing. Amazing. So, so it, it, what I wanted to ask you is: is it drug specific? Is it sort of just drink and just drugs, or is it open to no. any with any addiction? Yeah, no, it's a behavioural model, so it's for any, 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 you know, it's for substances, it's for sex, it's for food, it's for gambling, any behavioural addiction as well. Brilliant. Okay. And when the pandemic's over, uh, God willing, will will there will you get together? Will you have a a, a, a premise premises where you can you can do this in a group? Yeah, I mean, I'll go back to Cascade because Cascade Creative Recovery are wonderful and they allow me to come in there and do a weekly group. But of course, I'll keep on my, I'll keep doing the online groups as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to get Pete to come on the show. I'd love for him to come on and talk about what Cascade do because they're yeah. another innovative project in yeah. the community that, that use arts and creativity and writing and poetry. And like, you know, it's not for everybody, but... It works for some people, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it's, it also builds a sense of community, you know, because you've got to build a new life. You've got to build new new friendships with people who don't use substances. So it's recovery is about building a new, a new self and a new life. Wow. And uh, they say definitely do that. And I think, you know, that's what we offer with Sun Lotus as well. It's definitely a radical way of looking at what you are, who you are, and what's your point and what's the place, your place in the big scheme of things, if you like. Yeah. Um, we teach a specific Japanese school. I see some quotes about the Dalai Lama and stuff like that. And of course, Buddhism's 3,000 years old, and there's many, many, many different traditions and cultures. But we're specifically, I specifically teach a Japan. I'm a bit of a Jap. I, I love Japan. And uh, it's, um, it's a specific Japanese Buddhist school with a very simple practice. That's why I think it's relevant to the today's world, really. Yeah. Oh, Kevin, you need to unmute yourself. Oh. There are some comments coming in now that which are, are on your side to a certain extent. Uh, there's people like Ryan has said he uh, he he did a med meditation form of CBT and he's 19 months sober now. Uh, yeah. But to, to be honest, when I was given the gift of desperation uh, in early recovery, I mean, I think I would have probably tried anything. If they said, you know, I want you to breathe deeply and smell these joysticks and, and sat in the lotus position. <laughs> I would definitely give it a go, you know, because I was desperate. Um, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have worked, I don't think, but, you know, but that's me. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's right. It's, it's whatever works. And it's not a question of what, what works and what's the best way. It's what's the no. best way for you. It's, it's, it's deeply, deeply, deeply personal. And what I find is that people were attracted more by the Buddhist aspect of it because they've got an interest in Buddhism. And then when they actually come and study Dharma or study the Buddhist philosophy and the Buddhist teachings, 
they're very very reasonable and uh, and they make you know and 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 quite and quite logical there's and they accord with you know western science so people are kind of fascinated by that they find that really interesting you know the perception of self and of consciousness and what consciousness is and what we are yeah so um yeah people find that it's not, as i said it's not forever people come for one and then i never see them again then other people come and they never leave you know it's just just like we're marmite so it's 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 not for everyone but it's for you know people who are looking for an alternative sort of spiritual path yeah. and, and nuts and bolts of this what what how long are the sessions and what days are they on and at what times please right so the wednesday the structured session is um two hours long and it starts at 6.30. We do 15 minutes chanting, meditation, and then we go into the group discussion and the group work. And then on Friday, which is really, really informal, just check in and chat. So if you want to talk about Buddhist recovery, any questions, whatever it is, come along on a Friday. And that's at 7. So that's 7 to 8.30. And it's just a very informal. So what we usually do is that we, because the, the Wednesday session is quite full. There's a lot of information that we, we put over. And then usually on Friday, people can talk about it. You know, all right, okay, that was interesting. What about this and, and what about that? And people check in. So it's like a Buddhist recovery support, really. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you as well, what about family members? I'm really big on family members and family recovery because obviously addiction impacts so many more people than, than the person with the addiction. So... It, does is your group inclusive of family members if they want to come along everybody's welcome dogs as well <laughs> dogs and cats. amazing we have dogs that come along in zoom obviously dogs are big in zoom aren't they yeah. so we have you know and then uh, cascade recovery as well um they're dog friendly so when we hopefully start to do face to face dogs are welcome as well all about all living beings all living human beings and that <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Have you got any further questions, Kev? I'm trying. It sounds great to me, to be honest. Uh, and I, I, I can't really think of anything uh, apart from the stuff like you know, do, do you have to wear special clothing, or does it does it matter what you what you're wearing? No. no? And you no, sat not, down. We're presumably. not monks. We're not, not monks we're not monks and nuns. That's, yeah. We know they're they're the professionals, if you like. You know that we have a priesthood, obviously, in in literary social Buddhism. And they're the people, you know, who run the te live in temples, you know, doing the Buddhist yeah. thing. You know, they dedicate their lives to it, you know, whereas we're lay people. I'm a lay person. And it, it, it's a faith. So, um, but you don't, the thing about it is you don't need to take it that far if you don't want. You just take what you want out of it. And mm -hmm. some people just find the chanting really, really helpful. And we go into the neuroscience of it as well and say why it's really helpful and what's going on in your brain and why why are all these neurotransmitters being created that make you feel better once you finish chanting and all that sort of stuff. Okay. So people can take what they want out of it, really. So you could you could do this from your favourite comfy chair? Yeah, when I started doing it, um, I just chanted to an, an, empty, an empty wall, oh. you know, a blank wall. And then I kind of put a little picture of Buddha up there. Uh, I didn't really know what I was doing particularly, but I liked the chanting and the chanting made me feel better. So, and then when I studied it more, it was like, all right, okay, this is interesting. The Dharma aspect of it, the philosophy, the philosophy behind it, especially because it's Japanese and the Japanese cross all the T's and dot all the I's, don't they? I mean, there's so, I love that culture, the detail, the attention to detail is magnificent. 
So in the, in this particular school, the attention to detail in the teachings is magnificent as well. So the more you understand it, the, it's like a revelation all the time. I've been practicing over 30 years now and I still find it. I've still got so much more to learn, you know, as, as Claire says, it's a journey. Well, I think that the key thing you said there, Harvey, is despite everything you've said, the one thing that was really stands out, it made me feel better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, without using uh, mind-altering drugs or or, or yeah. whatever. And that's all really is all that matters, isn't it, really? Yeah. In the end of the day, in the end of the day, that's what, I mean, Buddhism's all about, all Buddhism's about is being happy. It's about human happiness and how to overcome human suffering. And that's all it's about. It's right. about becoming happy and content and having a sense of well-being that's the main that's what buddhism is it's the help it, the, the buddhism is about human suffering and how to overcome it that's all it asks it doesn't ask if there's a god it doesn't ask all these big questions it just asks the fundamental existential question is what is human suffering and how can we be happy amazing and Harvey, can so if somebody's watching and they think oh actually i'm really interested in that sounds sounds like it might suit my my journey um can they buy your book and do it without coming to the groups um i think it's an interesting read i, I mean what what you'll find is in the book the way it's made is that it's really interesting if you've got a loved one who's got addiction because all the the therapeutic stuff is really uh, eye-opening for people you know to understand what addiction actually is and you know and and how it and 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 how to treat it so it's a really good read for people who've got some a loved one as well i mean the i had a review on amazon and it was like um the the model of addiction that i've made because every there's different models out there the disease model the behavioral model so i made a buddhist model it's quite technical and it's quite philosophical so it's quite a difficult read but then once you get into the actual program um, it's quite eye-opening, you know, to talk about the brain, the lizard brain, and um, you know what is addiction, and then different aspects, the, the emotional aspects, the mental aspects, how the brain works. So it, it's quite enlightening. It's, it's an enlightening read. And I say that if you do the twelve sessions, and we're on eleven now, so twelve is next week, and then we go right back to the beginning again, session one. You can drop in if you get something out of it, but it's really great if you come at one and then go all the way through. But you, if you keep coming, you'll do it all anyway. Uh, and then by the end of it, you'll definitely be more enlightened than when, when you started. Well, it, well I, I think it's brilliant. I'd just like to say thank you, Harvey, for coming on and uh, and giving us another route, yeah. uh, which yeah. is always important. Absolutely, yeah. I think you're doing a sterling job, Harvey, and I think, you know, um, anything that works is my philosophy and what suits you might not suit someone else and, no. and what suits me and our job is to collect the tools that suit our, our our recovery journey you know me and kev are very different people what he finds interesting what helps his recovery is actually being creative like playing the guitar and you know um he's lucky to be in a profession that that encourages and nurtures his recovery um the creative arts you know um it's whatever works isn't it i it think recovery is creative in its essence because you're creating a new a new you yeah. you know and that's what you know. They, and we all have that creativity within us. We all have that potential to grow. And 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 that's what recovery is about. 
and this helps you to tap into that that unlimited potential that you've got within your life we call it buddha nature and that and then and that helps you to change that helps you to grow in a positive way amazing well thank you so much harvey honestly i've really really enjoyed listening to you i love the fact that you've you know stepped out and done it i'm a great believer in if something works for you you know share it with other people it might be work for them too so yeah i just read this on the blurb on the back of my book i'm not a special person i'm not a different person i am in fact a very ordinary person who has been able to sustain my recovery through this program that I will now explain and deliver in these writings. If I, if I am able to succeed in using this life philosophy, faith and practice to maintain my own recovery from my addiction disorder and to experience my own personal growth and development into a better, happier, more contented human being, then I believe that this can also be the experience of anyone else who chooses to follow in my footsteps whatever their nationality, gender, race, or sexual orientation, as these teachings and practices are truly universal and transcend all such distinctions between us human beings. If this endeavor can enable and empower even a single person to transform themselves and enable them to break free from the chains and shackles of, of the painful and life-devouring brain disorder, then my mission would have been accomplished. So even if I help one person overcome, save themselves, because it's it's life and death, this stuff. So even if I've done help one person, I'm a happy man. And that's what we're here for. That's what I believe, you know, that's what we're here for. We're, we're, yeah, to be the best version of ourselves. So thank you so much for being the best version of you, Harvey. And for all the yeah. effort that you've put in. I mean, the effort that you've put into your own journey, but in sharing it with other people, people don't understand the enormousness of that. It, it is bold. You've got to be brave. You've got to be dedicated. I mean, us doing these talks, you know, us sharing our own personal experience, it's all personal, of course, you know, everybody's different, um, but it, it's bold, you know, and that's what we're here for, we're here to be bold and we're here to be brave and we're here to help one another. So thank exactly. you for being all those amazing things. And that's the meaning of my life now, you know, and it makes sense, my addiction now makes sense to me, you know, if I went through that hell, and now if any some sort of way I can help other people, that gives meaning to my suffering that, that I had to go through. So that's what drives me because it's, yeah. it's, it's the drive of my life now is, is, is using my lived experience to help others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and ours too. You're I on... know. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I came along. I'm big fans. I think it's real. <laughs> I think, I thank you so much for, 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 you know, turning your mess into your message because that's what you're yeah. doing and that's what we're doing. You know, we're just yeah. trying to, try to be guiding lights trying to hold a torch up for other people to go oh that path looks interesting let's have a go at that one so thank yeah. you everybody and thank you for those that have come along and listened and commented and if you've got any questions whatsoever you know you can contact harvey via his um, facebook page um you can get his book on amazon um you can you can um give us a ring we'll we'll signpost you if you if you lose all these these links we can always signpost you to harvey and like i say you can be anywhere in the country you can be anywhere in the world to join this group um and you know harvey's kindly putting on this group for nothing so i think that's 
you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It can't be anything more than a beautiful thing. So thank you so much, Harvey. We, we've loved having you and we'd love to hear more about how it's progressing as you grow. So come back, won't you, and tell us more when, you, when you've, uh, you've got groups all over the world. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. That's well, thank plan. you very much for having me. I love. I'm. I'm a big fan of um, Kennedy Street, oh. and uh, I love your. I love your philosophy of being open-minded and and understanding everybody, the diversity of us human beings, and and that there's many ways for everyone. So uh, yeah, keep keep up the good work. And thanks for having me. Thanks for having me to let me to speak today. That's I'm very very grateful. Thank you for coming. We've loved having you. So, yeah, um, come back and join us next week if you are around at 12 o'clock every Wednesday. Share this post if you like. Um, we have got it on YouTube as well if you want to catch us on YouTube. Um, we do um, also have a podcast, hashtag Recovery Talks podcast that we create from these talks so yeah we'd love you to reshare this and uh, also continue to comment because you know it's interesting we, we need to be having these conversations they might be uncomfortable for some people but you know what this is how we're gonna defeat addiction you know we've got a pandemic that needs addressing people and the only way we're going to do it is by introducing people to to all these fabulous routes to recovery so yeah love you Loud and proud. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see you. See you next Thank week. Lots of love. Bye. I'm Matt. I'm one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please do head over to our website, www.kennedystreetcio.org, for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause.